Welcome to the 16th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition, we focus on college basketball, including a look back at last week's most significant games, a discussion of our NCAA title contenders, and our current top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament. Let's jump right in, and let's start with a look back at some of the last week's most significant games in college basketball, starting with last Saturday's action. Number 16, Virginia Tech snuck by Miami 80-76 to in overtime. This game actually had a crazy finish to regulation. Isaiah Joe from Miami hit a three that looked like it would be the game winner with two seconds left, and Virginia Tech actually hit one of their own on the other end to send it into overtime at the, bu- at the buzzer. Crazy game, but Virginia Tech not looking too hot there. Missouri upset Alabama, even though it did not dent Alabama's lead in the standings whatsoever. West Virginia beat number 23 Kansas. Sorry, West Virginia number 17 beat number 23 Kansas 91 to 79. Number 25 Drake stayed undefeated beating Valparaiso 80 to 77. Number 12 Illinois beat number 19 Wisconsin 75 to 60. They're one of the hottest teams in the country right now, continuing their tear through the Big 10 schedule. And Oklahoma State upset number 6 Texas 75 to 67 in double overtime. USC beat number 21 UCLA 66 to 48 using that height that they have with those dual seven footers. UCLA doesn't play a single guy for significant minutes who's over 68. Not a good positional matchup for UCLA. All right, and let's move to Sunday's action with a couple of games of note. Indiana upset number 8 Iowa 67-65. That's the second time Indiana's beat Iowa all this year. I don't know why, but I guess they're their kryptonite maybe has something to do with Indiana having Trace Jackson Davis, one of the only big men in the country, up to the level of Luca Garza, definitely one of the only ones in the Big Ten. And Valparaiso upset number 25 Drake, ending their undefeated run at 18 wins in a row. Uh, they beat them 74-57 to after barely losing that game the day before. By the way, Valparaiso, not actually a contender in that conference whatsoever. A little bit like the NBA, tough to beat teams in that back-to-back. Uh, let's move to Monday's action. Uh, number four, Ohio State beat Maryland 73-65. to Kansas upset number 23, Oklahoma State, 78-66, getting revenge for Oklahoma State taking their spot in the rankings. And number one, Gonzaga beat BYU 82-71. to I think that was BYU's opportunity to really sneak themselves into the very back end of the NCAA tournament. Kind of squandered it there. They still have a chance with some other teams on the bubble, and they can maybe win the conference, ch- conference uh, tournament. But I don't know if anybody's beating Gonzaga at this point. Yeah, so we'll see if Kansas gets back into the top 25 with that win after their long, long, long ranked streak came to an end uh, last weekend. Let's move to Tuesday's action. Number 14, West Virginia upset number 7, Texas Tech, 82-71. to 71. I would not say this was an upset. I don't know why they were 6.5-point uh, underdogs, I think is what it was. I don't know why they're ranked seven spots lower. These teams played each other as a one-point game when they played each other before. So... <laughs> Very evenly matched teams there in the Big t- in the Big Twelve, maybe the second place team right there, uh, and then Alabama snuck by Al- number eleven. Alabama snuck by South Carolina, eighty-one to seventy-eight. This was a really tough game for Alabama. They they turned the ball over a lot, a lot of times in this game, and it almost cost it. Uh, they played decent defense, but obviously when you turn the ball over, I think it was upwards of twenty-five times. It's very hard to keep a team from scoring much when you when you turn the ball over like that. Number 13, Texas snuck by Kansas State, 80-77. to Yeah, this one was not a good look for Texas. 
really kind of a head-scratcher. Kansas State has been awful all year. I think their only win has been over Iowa State in the Big 12, the last place team in the Big 12, their second to last place. So this is not a team that you're supposed to be close with, especially if you have the expectations of a top 15 team. Uh... VCU, who is currently in my last four in, beat Dayton, who was also on the bubble previously a few weeks ago, 76-67. to That's a very important game in the A-10 that kept VCU t- uh, a half a game under first place of St. Bonaventure. Syracuse, in my first four out, beat NC State, 77-68. to And Duke continued its downwards trend, losing to Notre Dame, 93-89. to Kind of... Kind of a big struggle this season for the Blue Devils, kind of unexpectedly, honestly, too. But it seems that all these Blue Bloods this year are kind of struggling. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Blue Bloods in trouble, as we discussed last week with uh, the last time Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan State all missed the tournament. Um, let's turn to Wednesday's action. Number five, Villanova beat Marquette 96-64. to This was one of the strangest games I think I've ever seen. I was watching this game, and it was close until about maybe 10 minutes left in the second half. And honestly, I don't know how Villanova ended up winning by 32. It was like, I, I think it was in a single in the single digits for the entire game up until the last few minutes. Kind of crazy, but on, on paper, it looks like a huge win for them. Number eight, Houston beat South Florida 82-65. to Obviously, after their loss to East Carolina, they can't take any wins for granted in the American. Number nine, Virginia beat Georgia Tech 57-49. to Now, that looks like a vintage Virginia win from their championship year two years ago, or maybe even from the year where they lost to UMBC but had that great defense. They just did not let Georgia Tech score at all. Ole Miss, unranked, crushed, crushed. Number 10, Missouri, 80-59. I talked about how earlier I didn't see the reason why West Virginia was uh, a a 6.5-point underdog against Texas Tech. Ole Miss was favored by two and a half. It just kind of shows you that even a 10 and 8 team being favored by three over a top 10 team, maybe that team's a little overrated. Uh, <laughs> just a little. Yeah, just, just, just a little bit. Or it was a football letdown game from upsetting Alabama earlier in the week. Right, exactly. And also that means Missouri is now six and four in the conference and they are now back to three games under Alabama, nowhere close to catching them. Number 15, Iowa beat number 25, Rutgers, 79-66. They are finally getting on track, with, getting back on track with that win there. That's Rutgers' first loss in a while. Hopefully for them it doesn't start another losing streak like they've been doing all season, going 7-1, and one, lose four in a row, 5-0, and oh, lose four in a row again. That wouldn't be very good for them. Uh, number 16, Tennessee beat Georgia, 89-81, a solid win for a solid Tennessee team. And number 21, Wisconsin beat Nebraska, 61-48. Uh, nothing really too special about this game other than the fact that when both teams had their, uh, let's say end of the bench guys in at the end, they missed three straight free throws, including, t- including an air ball and one that didn't hit the rim. <laughs> um, let's move on to Thursday. Uh, you know, when the, when the notes about a game are only the missed free throws at the end of the game, it's time to move on. Let's talk about Thursday's action. Number 20, USC beat Washington 69-54. Obviously USC barely just moving into the top 25 for the first time this year. So definitely a very good team. And number 24, Purdue, was upset by Minnesota, 71-68. I think this is the third team that Minnesota has played where they have not lost both games. I think they beat Iowa twice. They After losing to Michigan, they beat Michigan. And after losing to Purdue, they beat Purdue. 
So Minnesota clearly not letting the first loss getting to get to them. They're rebounding back from whatever mistakes they've made, and they're figuring out ways to win when they play a team twice. That's a reflection of good coaching. All right, and who was your player of the week for last week? I gave it to Miles McBride from West Virginia. I had to give it to him because he had a few games. The two games that he played this week were just magnificent. He averaged 24.5 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists in West Virginia's two big wins including 27 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, and 3 steals against Kansas. Looks like a LeBron James stat line there. And also, not only did he do that in that game, but in the next game, he only had 2 points in the first half, and it was very, very close with Texas Tech. And in the second half, he just took over and scored 18 points in the second half, taking over the game and letting West Virginia win. All right, well, that wraps up our look back at last week's action in college basketball. Now let's turn our attention to uh, a discussion of who we think might be the NCAA tournament title contenders. So we're going to turn our attention to the NCAA tournament as we get to, to mid-February here and the NCAA tournament March Madness are around the corner. And Patrick, uh, we're going to start with a talk of who potential NCAA tournament title contenders are. Uh, and you've got a historical perspective on this based upon uh, some data from past years. Yeah. Uh, since the founding of Ken Palm by Ken Pomeroy, self-titled website, in 2002, there's only been one champion who wasn't in the top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency. That team was 2014 UConn. They were a seven seed. This is the team who you guys might remember went on the ultimate Cinderella run. I think they're one of the lowest seeds to ever win a tournament. Um, and Or highest seeds, I guess. Lowest ranked teams. And uh, this is the team with Shabazz Napier, the only NBA guy on the entire team. They took down Kentucky in the finals. And actually... They, as I said, they were a seven seed, and not only that, they the even though they were a seven seed, they were actually ranked higher than a few of the three and the four seeds, which just shows that Ken Palm the the stats they show they 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 even though they weren't in the top twenty of both and they broke that mold, they were still pretty close for a team in the seven seed line. And here are the results of the eight teams who met that in the last tournament, which it's crazy to think about it, but it was in twenty nineteen. It's been two years since there was an NCAA tournament. The, the eight teams were Virginia, Michigan State, Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Michigan, and Houston. All the teams that these teams lost to, if they did lose at all, were on the list, other than three teams losing to Texas Tech and two losses to Auburn. You had Virginia winning the national title, them proving that stat true again. Michigan State lost in the Final Four to Texas Tech. Gonzaga lost in the Elite Eight to Texas Tech. Duke lost in the Elite Eight to Michigan State. Kentucky lost in the Elite Eight to Auburn. North Carolina lost in the Sweet 16 to Auburn. Michigan lost in the Sweet 16 to Texas Tech. And Houston lost in the Sweet 16 to Kentucky. So clearly the stat holds up, holds up because they are they are only losing to these teams that are on, on that line with them. And the other two teams, Texas Tech and Auburn, well, Texas Tech was number one in defensive efficiency and barely fell out of the top 20 in offensive efficiency at number 25. And Auburn was number six in offensive efficiency and 36 in defensive efficiency, too. So it's not like they were that far off. Again, uh, overall, the final four teams in offensive and defensive efficiency ranked the following. Virginia was number two in offense, number five in defense. Michigan State was number five in offense, number nine in defense. Texas Tech, as I just said, 25 in offense, one in defense. Auburn, number six in offense and number 36 in defense. And actually, I would attribute Auburn's poor defensive rating even to the fact that that team shot about 33s per game, so almost every rebound was a long rebound, and they were always giving up transition points 
that other teams wouldn't give up, but in the end they were trading twos for threes and that or threes for twos and that was what was winning them games. So this year, because of that theory, here these are my main title contenders as they are the top in the top 20 currently of both offensive and defensive efficiency. We have Gonzaga, number two in offense and number five in defense. Uh, similarly, actually, the formula that Virginia used exactly to the ranking to win the national title last time. Baylor is number three in offense, number three in defense. Definitely the most balanced team in the nation and balanced at a very high level, too, on both ends. Michigan is number seven in offense and number nine in defense. Illinois is number eight in offense, number 13 in defense. Houston is number 14 in offense, number six in defense. And Virginia is number 13 in offense and number 16 in defense. And I also have some honorable mentions. Iowa is the number one offensive team, but number 120 in defense. <laughs> kind of surprising, but you know what? They, they kind of have... Yeah, they play, play. Yeah, well, they play like Gonzaga, except for they don't know how to play defense. But uh, they, they score 90 on everybody, but then they also give up 80 on everybody. Uh, then there's Tennessee, who has the number 61 offense. They, they've lost, I think they lost a game scoring 50 and also lost another game scoring around 55-ish. But they have the number two defense in the country. Alabama is the number 36 offense and the number one defense. There you go, the SEC showing that they know how to play some defense there, just like in football. <laughs> um, Ohio State, who is the number four team in the country, so I had to throw them in, is number four on offense, but number 64 on defense, similar struggles as Iowa. Wisconsin is number 32 on offense, number 7 on defense. Uh, Villanova is number 5 on offense, number 60 on defense. And I'm going to throw it to the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago. Not them again. The team that I will put in from, they are the only mid-major team actually on this list, so I I have to give it to them other than Houston actually. Uh, Number 40 in offense, number 8 in defense. This is actually very, very close to what they were when they made their tournament run. I believe they were 7th and 35th in those same categories. So, hey, who knows? They they actually recently snuck into the top 25 this this uh this past week here and who knows they could they could make another run from the 8 or 9 or 10 seed range. Oh my goodness. Well, if you asked me without all those fancy stats, I'm glad to see some of the teams off the top of my head that I would say are title contenders uh, fall on that list and a few of them don't, but there's reasons why. Um I, my my title contenders are Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State and Iowa. Now, Ohio State is just because they're very well balanced and they don't rely on, you know, if one person is not uh, having a good night, everybody else seems to step up. They play great team basketball. They also have a post player who's 6'9", yet guards a lot bigger, so they don't have the issue of uh, guarding against smaller bigs or against bigger bigs, which is a huge deal come NCAA tournament time. And then Iowa, who doesn't fit the categories, just just to me, they can get so hot and Luca Garza can pose matchup problems for a lot of teams that should one of these other teams get knocked out, say a Gonzaga or a Baylor, um, potentially Michigan, uh, if they get knocked out, the Iowa, could, Iowa can just get hot and make a run. So even though they don't fall in that category, I view them as the counter to Texas Tech in, for your 2019 NLG. Texas Tech's defense was so good. That they could score 63 points in a Sweet 16 game against a two-seed and win by 20. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, they held Michigan, I think, to 16 points in the first half of that Yeah, Sweet it was matchup. it was 19-16, and then they ended up winning 63-44. to Yeah, so they, their defense, even though it was a <laughs> And they held Michigan State to 60 points, even too. Even though it was the number one-ranked defense, it was probably the delta between one and the rest was so great 
that it made up for their offensive lapses, obviously, till the very last game. I think Iowa's offense can be, on any given night, so good that it could over overcome their defensive deficiencies. Uh, yeah, and I would also say, if I, were to, if I were to take some of my honorable mentions, I'm not saying that they can't be contenders. I'm just saying that the stats would show that they are not going to win the title. I would actually place them higher title contenders-wise than I would Houston and Virginia. Definitely in the case of Iowa, Alabama, and Ohio State, I would definitely put those three just a slight bit above Houston and Virginia. Uh, Houston's Houston's recent losses, the, yeah. the head scratchers, are kind of the ones that I think I would have Houston above those teams, but not not after seeing those losses. It makes Alabama's five losses against really good teams kind of like, okay, well, at least they're not losing to East Carolina. Um I really like what Alabama does on defense, and also it's they, they like to shoot a lot of threes, and this is the formula that Auburn used, and Auburn was not good at defense. And so if they can get hot, and also the, it, you've seen it so many times where teams get so hot shooting threes in the tournament only, and it's just a seven-game stretch in so, in so few days that it's possible to really get on a bit, get a, get in such a big rhythm. Seven game stretch if you want to last four, and it's a six right. game stretch. And uh, oh yeah, my bad. And uh, and they, I just think that Alabama, if they keep playing defense at the number one level, I I believe in their offense a lot more than I believe in that of like the Tennessee offense or exa- or also Iowa on the flip side more than I believe in Iowa's defense to turn it on. I don't believe in Iowa's defense to be good. Iowa's gonna have to beat teams by scoring ninety or even a hundred in the tournament. I would argue. But I think Alabama can hold everybody to under 70 if they really play well, excluding those top, top teams. And if they start shooting threes, if they're shooting maybe even 40% in uh, from three and taking about 30, 20-ish per game, I mean, that's a lot of points you can get. That's like immediate 30 points from that line. And that's just, that 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 is one of the deciding factors in the tournament. The three-point line is the great equalizer. So why isn't Colorado one of your sleepers? Because Colorado's number nine in adjusted offense and 31 in adjusted defense. So that's kind of the flip side of Wisconsin, kind of definitely the flip side of Loyola Chicago. Why why, why not Colorado? I chose because to admit 12. I chose to admit <laughs> I, I chose to omit Colorado and USC not because of uh not because of how far off they were from any of them, but uh the only teams where I kind of ignored if how good they were, how bad they were on one side is if they were really good on one of the sides, like, if, for example, Iowa being number one in offense, but 120 in defense, and Villanova being top five in offense, and but 60th in defense. I think the defense can be ignored when you're that efficient on offense. And by the way, the Ken Palm stats are adjusted by opponents, so it's not, it's not being in the Pac-12. It's just me, it's just my honest opinion that... I the honorable mentions were teams that I really think do have a shot other than Loyola Chicago. I'm just throwing them in there as a as a dark horse, a real dark horse. But I think I I, I picked the teams that had a shot that maybe were still definitely outside of those boundaries of the of the categories. But I don't think USC or Colorado. By the way, USC I think is 12th and 23rd, something like that. Um, I just don't think they have what it takes to win a title. Ninth and twenty seventh. Oh, okay. Defense twenty seventh and offense. Fourth. Oh yeah, they played a game season. yesterday. Yes, I'm they, thinking of two days ago. Got adjusted up. Um, yeah, interesting stat. Um, the data doesn't. The numbers don't lie. They say. Also, if you want to look smart for your friends, that's a resource to look at. The Ken Palm rankings, particularly in head to head matchups, oftentimes it's, it's it's uncanny how often 
the Kempom uh, metrics are in predicting margin of victory in individual games. And I would also say that if you look at it historically, if you want to go back and you want to figure out how you're picking certain games later in the tournament, hypothetically in your bra- in your bra- in your uh, ESPN bracket or whatever, you should look at Kempom because there are certain teams that have been ranked. I think Michigan, when they went to the national title as a three seed, were actually ranked in the top five of Kempom above the one seed and the two seed in their region, which is kind of interesting because it shows that, hey, what what the tournament picks on is not advanced stats. They pick off of wins and losses so, and quality eye wins. Test, so reputation. Yeah, an eye test. So there's definitely, and conference championships and everything, so there's definitely a little bit of a, a disconnect there, but I would say you definitely need to, you definitely should look at Kempom if you're looking at individual games. Well, we'll continue to follow it as the season progresses and as we get to March Madness, and we definitely... We'll take a fresh look at where the final Ken Palm rankings are once the bracket is announced and use that to help in our bracket predictions and see whether it holds true this year for the 2021 NCAA tournament. That wraps up this segment. And in our next segment, we'll broaden things a little bit, given that the NCAA is going to announce its first top 16 seeding of the season. We thought we'd discuss our own current top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament. Let's start, Patrick, with your thoughts on who the number one seeds are are going to be. I have Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State, and and Ohio State in that order. And uh, we agree almost. I have Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan. Uh, so we flip our one and two, agree on number three. And for my uh, fourth number one seed and the fourth team overall, I have Illinois. Yeah, I think I think the disagreement there with Baylor and Gonzaga, it really, it really just depends on who you are. I think it's easy 1A, 1B kind of a situation. I think Gonzaga will just end up getting it because of their early season wins are more quality than Baylor, and they kind of can't do anything about their lack of a good conference schedule that they play. And they still somehow have more quad one wins than uh, than Baylor does. So that's that's their plus, in my opinion. And also, I would say, Baylor's postponements are going to get in their way of, of getting there because they had games postponed against four quad one teams, including Oklahoma, West Virginia twice, and Texas Tech. If they had gone undefeated through those games, I'd actually say, I was thinking, actually, when I made my bracketology for Tuesday, I actually said in my head to myself, if they beat Oklahoma, or, or if they would have had the Oklahoma game, I would have... I would have put them at number one if they beat Oklahoma, but the game didn't. Ha- the game's not happening. So I'm just assuming both teams are going to continue to run through their schedule, regular season, postseason tournaments, um, and uh, that that postseason tournament run for Baylor will give them slight edge over Gonzaga. We yes, have... but this is at the moment, so yeah, that's okay. why yeah, I have yeah, Gonzaga again, still. Again, I think they're like you said, they're one A and one B. Yeah, and I think almost everybody agrees that Michigan's number three. Although big questions, their two week uh, pause mandated by the state of Michigan Department of health uh, ends this weekend against Wisconsin and and a lot of teams have struggled for a long time coming out of these COVID COVID induced pauses so uh, Michigan probably will be number three the question is uh, will they be number three after they return to action and if they can uh, if whether they can shake off the rust or not Um, I I know maybe we should get to our next uh, our next seeds our two seeds because you and I disagreed on the number four seed you had Ohio State and Illinois uh, I think we just have a slight disagreement of where we're slotting those two teams. Where do you where do you have teams uh, five through eight, our number two seeds? I have Illinois, Villanova, Alabama, and then Houston. 
Uh, Illinois and Ohio State, again, kind of like, kind of in the same way that Gonzaga and Baylor are 1A and a 1B. They're kind of a 4A and a 4B. And I had Ohio State as my, let's call it 4B. I, I think you, five. I think you can really throw them in the same boat. I think the main thing for me is that Ohio State is, uh, ranked higher and also clearly has the perception of being better. And they also have the win over Illinois, which is a big deciding factor, I think. If you have very, very similar resumes, Ohio State... But really, Ohio State beats them in a lot of the categories. They have a better record. They have a better conference record. And that head-to-head win is probably the deciding factor for now. I'm not sure if they play each other again. If they play each other again and Illinois wins, then maybe you put Illinois above Ohio State. But for now, I have them there. Uh, Villanova's been... I mean, they have two I've losses them, on the I've year. I've got them like you as a six, as the number six team, as a, as a two seed. Yeah, they have... They have they ha- they've had a few losses on the year, but I mean, two losses is nothing. And he- Alabama and Houston kind of could go either way with them. And you've got Alabama number seven, and Houston is your last eight seed. Whereas I have Houston number seven, and Alabama as my last eight seed. Alabama is last two seed. Uh, Sorry, Alabama two is seed, yes. eight overall. Um, Alabama, I just think the, the quality of wins and the fact that all their losses are quad one, as opposed to Houston's losses being really bad, and also having. A few games against, like, all their wins are also against not great teams also. So when you throw that in, I think that gives Alabama the edge. At least tomorrow, I think Alabama might lose another game in the SEC. Kind of get caught slipping when you're up by three games in a conference with only five games left, five, six, seven-ish game le- games left in the rest of the year. I think they might lose a regular season game or maybe even a game in a conference tournament. So that might be that might bring them below Houston because I doubt Houston will lose for the rest of the year. But for now, I still I think the committee will put Alabama above Houston. All right. So uh, your next batch of four teams, your three seeds are ranked number nine through twelve in the country. Let's go start with your number nine and top three seed. I have Virginia, then I have West Virginia, then I have Texas Tech and Iowa. Uh, Right off the bat, I think Virginia is really... They kind of have a ceiling on them because of the way that the ACC is. I don't think they could get anywhere near Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Villanova, really, if I'm going to be honest. I think they could get over Alabama or Houston, but the ACC doesn't really have that many quality wins out there to get. They might get one tomorrow playing against North Carolina, but they do, they, they I, I, I guess they play Florida State too, and then maybe somebody in their conference championship, if they make it all the way to the finals in that tournament, if that tournament even happens. Um, but there's not really much mo- room for them to move up, whereas even like some of the teams below them, like Iowa and Texas Tech and West Virginia, if, if West Virginia, if they somehow manage to make up that game with Baylor or either of the two games that got postponed or they beat them in the conference tournament, then they definitely leapfrog Virginia. Same thing for Texas Tech and for Iowa. If they make a good conference tournament run, who knows? They could beat Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan all in a run, depending on how the seeding shakes out. They so. could get back up to a two or a one. Yep. So uh, really quickly, I had the same four teams again in this cluster, uh, but in a different order. Iowa, Virginia, Texas Tech, West Virginia. So let's move to your uh, final four teams in the top 16. Who do you have as your... Four seeds. I have Texas, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma, and you have... I have Tennessee, Wisconsin, USC, and Texas. So we both have Tennessee and Wisconsin. uh, And Texas. And Texas, although I've got Texas as the lowest uh, four seed. Um, And you've got Oklahoma, whereas I have USC. So 
uh, your thoughts on thoughts on, on yours picks, obviously, and on mine. I put an asterisk next to Texas Tech, Iowa, Texas, and Tennessee. I think that the committee, honestly, I think this is the only place where they're going to be different from bracketologists everywhere is just those four teams. They're really... They, their resumes are so different yet so similar at the same time. Texas Tech only has 16 games played. Tennessee has 18. Iowa has, I think, 20 or so. And then Texas Tech has a bunch of, has a lot of losses, but they're all against good teams. Tennessee only has four losses. Texas has a bunch of losses all against good teams. Iowa has a bunch of losses all against good teams. So I could really see Tennessee being at the at the forefront and at the top at 14 and four just because they only have four losses. But I could also see them at the bottom due to the quality of wins in the SEC not being as good as Big 12 wins that Iowa, Texas, and Texas Tech have gotten, and also Texas Tech's losses, or Texas, yeah, Texas and Texas Tech's losses, actually, are really only to top teams. And maybe, you know, maybe they discount the Iowa two losses to Indiana, and that puts them at the bottom. I think those four teams are really interchangeable. You could even throw in Wisconsin there. And I would also say that... Right below 16, I would throw honorable mentions. I think the only teams that have a chance outside of Oklahoma are USC, Kansas, Missouri, Creighton, and Florida State. I think Florida State and Creighton are even stretching it a little bit, but I wanted to throw them some love. I think I have them at six or five seed range right now. But I think those are the other teams that you could see the tournament that you could see the committee putting in in this top 16, but I don't think anybody below that. So you don't think my 15 USC is crazy, which I'm glad you don't. I don't think it's crazy. I really think they are literally number 17. I mean, I think a a few people definitely have them as number 16 or number 15-ish, but I don't. I just have Oklahoma in there because of the quality of wins that they have over them instead. And hearkening back to our last segment, the reason why I put USC... In the top 16 is if you look at those Ken Palm rankings and that criteria historically of, of, of championship contenders, even though they weren't on our list. Yeah, but unfortunately the tournament committee doesn't use Ken Palm, otherwise the seating would have shaken out a little bit different. That's why I put them there. They're, they're 27 in offensive efficiency and ninth in defensive, um, despite the fact that I'm, I'm just not impressed with Pac-12 basketball this year. But that's why I put them in there a little bit ahead of Oklahoma. And also, I would like to mention that there are these are the teams playing during the reveal or within 30 minutes of the reveal start. You have Ohio State playing Indiana. Florida State plays a game. Oklahoma State plays a game. Loyal Chicago plays a game. And Oklahoma plays against West Virginia. So as soon as that game ends, I mean, let's say if we could throw out a hypothetical and Oklahoma wins, then I'm sure for you they'd move into your yep. top 16 for me, they maybe, 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 maybe move up into the top three seed range. It's it, it, that's the thing about the midseason reveal is there's no real good time no, to do it not. because I mean they try to do it at at, at eight thirty so that it's early in the morning or nine thirty. You so can do it at three thirty a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, that would be the only <laughs> way that you would not have any teams overlapping with it. But I mean, Ohio State is starting at nine a.m. and there's always a nine a.m. game. So how are you going to deal with that? You really can't. So. All right, well, that, it'll be interesting to see how our predictions compare to the official NCAA reveal. Patrick, any other thoughts on this uh, top 16, or should we wrap it up for this week? Uh, I would just say I think last year there were a few surprises, even though the tournament didn't end up happening. I think it was Louisville that really struck me that they started off, I think, and were number one two weeks before the reveal and somehow slipped all the way down to the last team in that top 16 from the committee, which was just... So the committee has had a few shocks in the past, but I think this year there's not... Maybe the ordering of these teams might be shocking to a few people, but I think the 16 or the 17, I guess, total that we have are going to be 
the 16 that will be in it. Unless they just stick to the net ratings and we see Colgate in there at number 13. Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, there could be some surprises. Loyola Chicago, although they're, uh, you know, they've are you they been mentioned in our prior discussion, so maybe they wouldn't be such a big surprise. All right, well, we'll see how accurate our predictions were. We'll, were. We will see if there are any surprises from the NCAA Selection Committee on their top 16 seed preview. Um, that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. We, on our next podcast, which will be on Monday, February 15th, uh, we'll take maybe take a little look, look back and see if there are any surprises there on the reveal. Uh, we'll definitely review the latest NBA action. And, of course, we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend, weekend predictions, which can be found on our website along with his complete bracketology at 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. So please check out all the content there and come back and listen to our next podcast. Thank you for listening.